Truth what happens is, as children grow up, we start to educate them progressively from the waist up. And then we focus on their heads, and slightly to one side. I think of the old days, you were better off. Because nowadays, they're all specialists. Everyone's becoming better and better. And less and less. And eventually, someone's going to be superb. Like Our education systems have mined our minds in the way that we strip mined the earth for a particular commodity. And for the future, it won't serve us. We have to rethink the fundamental principles on which we're educating our children. We're not here to tell everybody that they're wrong and we're right. We're not saying that we have all the answers, but um, we'd like to present a different way of looking at it. Hello, listeners, and welcome to China Education, episode 39. My name is Jean-Louis Francois, and I am a design teacher at GSIS in Suwon, South Korea. And not just episode 39, Jean-Louis, uh, welcome to China Jedi. Wonderful to have you on. It's actually, I've been told by our researchers, shows how much I know, that today... On episode 39 of China Education is our overall 100th, 100th, 100th China Jedi episode. Yay! Huh. Hashtag landmark. We got this. I'm kind of scrambling to think maybe that's pretty important. So we should get you a present sent <laughs> over. Uh, we'll have to work out what it is. Uh, maybe it's a uh, China Jedi cap or uh, how about a China Jedi pair of earmuffs so you don't have to listen to the <laughs> podcast. Uh, something like that. But, but, but really nice to have you on. And I do believe our first uh, teacher from, from Korea, from South Korea. So I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, about what's going over there now at the moment. And, and of course, what you're up to there teaching wise so i think we'll start off first jean lu with uh, what's the kind of story what brought you to south korea uh yeah how, how did that happen so um it wasn't planned not by me for sure um until um a fellow mauritian teacher came to work in korea and and then they figured out that we do have a pretty a pretty solid bank of design teachers in mauritius because it is a strong program home um, but in other international schools, in many countries, design in secondary school is, is still to be developed. Mm. Um, that comes from the British background in Mauritius. That's why design is such a big thing. And I was contacted by the school saying that, hey, we got your contact. I'm looking for a teacher. Um, would you mind ap- applying? I applied for the job. Then they closed the position. I was like, no problem. I'm happy in Mauritius. They contacted me again six months after that. I gave it a try thinking that it won't happen. And two Skype interviews later, I got the job. And again, um, everybody keeps asking me until now, how come you landed in South Korea? How did that happen? Mm-hmm. It just happened. Yeah, it just happened. Uh, I'm just trying to think how I landed in China. Uh, but anyway, there's not enough time for that. Uh, <laughs> Jean-Lu, this is... I this is, know. <laughs> <laughs> this is... We'll have to tune into another episode. So uh, brilliant. Okay, so you're in... How long have you been in South Korea? So this year is year number six, so wow. since 2014. Yeah, and it, and it goes quickly, doesn't it? It really does. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, mm. true. Yeah. Uh, and so um, apart from that, obviously being China Jedi, I'd like to ask you, have any links uh, to your neighboring country of China? I do. Actually, my wife, um, Karen, her middle name is Aki. 
um, uh-huh. and she's from Chinese origin. Um, you know, Mauritius uh-huh. basically is a country which is pretty much like the whole wide world in one small island. We've got such a strong Chinese population, Indian population, Muslim population, um, Europeans from our colonial background, and and Africans from us from a um, slavery background. So it's it's all mixed. It's a huge melting pot. And my wife has got um, known um, Chinese ancestors who came to Mauritius. So okay, wonderful. Mauritius and China link there for your wife. Let's uh, move on to, uh, actually, I was about to say classroom scramble, um, but the researchers have decided we're going to change our game. Mm-hmm. They haven't given, well, I'm just kind of asking why, and they're looking at me like I don't need to ask that question. So um, <laughs> it, it's now, the game is Guess the Gap. So uh, let's, let's get into that. Oh, we chat, waiting, we chat, waiting, we chat, waiting, me. We chat, waiting, we chat, waiting, come to my party. So guess the gap. Unlike Classroom Scramble, uh, it's uh, no scrambles. It's uh, putting something in the place of nothing. Apparently, I'm going to read, oh, yes, this famous quote. Uh, it's about teaching, obviously, and education, Jean-Lou. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chop out um, a section of it, a word or a couple of words. And then you are somehow, I don't know how you do this, uh, are going to have to guess uh, what word or words go into it. And hopefully you'll find the right ones. Uh, if not, then I'll be able to tell you the answer at the end. If you get it, you win. And if you don't get it, I guess I win. But who cares? So here we go. <laughs> guess the cap. Here's the quote then for you today, uh, Jean-Lou. Teaching kids to count is fine, but teaching them blank is best. Now, there you go. I can I can hear some typing in a computer. Yep. Is that coming from your from your researchers trying to get you the uh, the answer? I, I hope not. I hope you're not googling that, Jean-Luc. <laughs> I am not. Just typing it on notes. Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> I won't remember. Uh, yes. No, you know what? I will not Google it. I will give it a try. And if I fail, if I fail I'm going to fail beautifully. <laughs> well, anyway, it, it, as a design teacher, I'm sure you can be rather creative with whatever. Um, I guess there's there's no real definite <laughs> answer there. So I think you've alluded to it uh, earlier, Jean-Louis, but you're from Mauritius. Uh, you grew up born and, and grew up in Mauritius, I take it. Yes, I, I was born and, and grew up in Mauritius. Um, and us being such a small island in, such, um, the, in, in the middle of such a big ocean, traveling is not um, really, um, uh, I would say, a common thing. Um, so, yeah, I grew up. And my first time leaving the island, I was more than 25 years old. So pretty late. Wow. wow. And, and where was the first place you, you left Mauritius for? So it was to Roderick's Island, which is an island, um, a two-hour flight from Mauritius, <laughs> so not very far. <laughs> but my uh, first real time away was for an MUN conference with my previous school. Mm. It was all the way in Rome in Italy. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, so that was a, uh, I mean, you could say, of course, positive spin. Mauritius has everything, um, all cultures, and I know it has beautiful beaches and stuff as well. That there really is no need to possibly leave. Yeah, let's put it this way. When people here tell me, oh, we would love to go for honeymoon in Mauritius, and I tell them I had my money honeymoon in Mauritius, so I guess I'm lucky. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and when you were growing up there, Jean-Louis, what type of school did you go to? Did you go to just one school all the way through? Can you tell me about that? 
All right. So, so it is different. I mean, even the, the terms um, middle school, high school um, would not be used at all in Mauritius. Um, elementary school, we'd say primary school. So it's so, for British. Uh, uh, we use the yeah. uh, kind of like we do in England. Yeah. British uh, primary, yeah. secondary. OK. Exactly. Even the, the, the structure of the year is in is in trimesters. So term one, term two, term three and not in quarters like it is here in my yeah. current school. Right. Um, so primary school, um, I've been in Catholic schools all the way through primary and secondary school. Um, so the, the thing in Mauritius though is that there's huge competition um, both at primary and secondary level to access to a, what you would describe as a good secondary school in the old system which is changing um, you need to have a good result at the end of your primary education there's a, a national exam mm -hmm. um, and as a result of that you, you get qualified for certain schools so it also means that sometimes you have to travel long distances to go to, to your school. For example, my secondary school um, was um, more than, was probably 30 kilometers away from, from where I lived, oh, um, which is normal for, for many kids in, in the island. If you want to go to a good school, it doesn't matter where you live. If you get access to it, go ahead. 30 kilometers. So how did you get that? I mean, was there a school bus or... Uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a school bus, but the school bus not always where, where I lived. So I lived in the suburb of the capital. Um, so I had to take a small bus, probably 10, 15 minutes um, route. And then I wait at a, at a bus station where I take the school bus for another maybe 45, 50 minutes. Wow, oh, dear. And, and I'm sure it may be in those days, uh, Jean-Lou, not that I'm alluding to the fact that you're maybe quite old, um, but uh, <laughs> no podcasts. Podcasts weren't around in those days. So what did you do on, on the bus? Uh, did you just keep studying, reading books, things like that? Because you couldn't listen to oh, podcasts. Yeah, and one thing I, I've always been bad at, it's reading on the bus or in the car. So moving, I oh, cannot, yes. I can, I, I never, I've never been able to read. I mean, but with friends, I've always, I mean, being the young kid at, at the first years of secondary, probably was just, I was just a good kid seated in front and falling asleep on the bus waiting to get there. Then growing up, I became a little, bit more, a little bit more outgoing with friends and, I mean, we would chat, we would, yeah, all sorts of things, listen to music. It was the days of Walkman. I had my first yes. Walkman, I was in my third year of secondary, so, yep. The, the, the good old little cassette player, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. brilliant. I remember that. And, and, and on top of that, it's funny you should say that, motion sickness, I, I guess what you were saying, you know, when you, when you read exactly. it. I, I used to be fine with that. And I've realized now, whenever I get in a Chinese taxi and maybe check my phone, my WeChat messages, I, I just start feeling really sick. So um, I, I think maybe as you get older, but of course you, you've had it all, all your life, but uh, something's happened. I, I don't know what it is. They're either really bad drivers. They've got worse here. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or I'm just getting old and my mechanisms, my chemical mechanisms aren't working. That's probably the, the right answer. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm digressing somewhat. Now, after secondary school, what did you do in terms of university? Still staying in, in Mauritius, of course. What did you study? Yep. So um, I studied. The, the first idea of me was to go to Australia to study. It didn't work out. Mm -hmm. So then I did get access to an Austrian university through an institu institution in Mauritius. I studied advertising, graphic design and advertising, mm -hmm. um, to work in design as a graphic designer. So I did, um, so I did uh, a degree from Australia. I did another professional qualification from South Africa to be fully qualified to be a graphic designer in advertising. Um, yeah, I did that home. So I studied for near to four years. And then I was already working, though. That's the good thing, being home, having contacts from my first year of university. Mm. I got a job 
in an advertising agency. So I was already working part time, which was good for my CV, obviously, and even for my learning, because I was learning at university, but applying things right away and learning with professionals around me. Mm. So that was pretty neat. Uh, and through the process of schooling, whether it be primary, secondary, university, was there any outstanding, standout kind of teacher that, you know, took you under their arm or, uh, you know, inspired you in some way? Yeah, um, I think a few. I have probably at least one name from primary, secondary and, and university. But I think the the one who stands out is um, Pascal Nadal, who was my um GP teacher, general paper teacher in secondary. GP is probably like theory of knowledge kind of thing. It right. goes with English in the A-levels. Um, but thinking back, why he inspired me, mm. um, it's not necessarily for what he was doing in the classroom, but who he was, who he is in and out of the classroom. Right. Um, so he, 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 he used to live in the same area I was living back then. And with some friends, we had a group, a social, um, social, I would say, um, oriented group. So we'd do things for, for the locality. And in many of our activities, he would help us and bring his knowledge, etc., etc. And those little interactions with him on the top of him being my teacher and being mm. super knowledgeable, I think um, gave me the image of, of the teacher I wish I could be in certain ways. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm totally different to to him in terms of our teaching styles mm. completely different but still i think the guy out of the classroom is the one who inspired me the most and still inspires me now are you still keep in touch oh yeah last time i went home i was happy to visit him he's now um wow. not in the classroom anymore but but i'm still in education and we had a, a long conversation about where i am now and and yeah things we've done together so yeah pleasure to still be in touch with him it seems to be always, you know, I spoke to lots of teachers, uh, that kind of personable characteristic, you know, they, the relationship, um, and it goes outside of the classroom and you keep in touch with these brilliant people. Yeah, I, I just think that's the real glue. You know, they're interested not just in, in your grade or you, you're doing well in the class, but actually just interested in you as a human being, right? True, yeah. Mm, yeah. It does make a difference. Yeah, for sure. And I've been told, Jean-Lou, that you are a little bit of a soccer, or as you say, football fan. <laughs> uh, uh, and, well, you are speaking to, to to someone on your side here. But let's see if we are supporting the same side. I'm a Liverpool fan. Woohoo! Spot on. I'm, I'm born red. There you go. So so you, like me, are in an absolute heaven uh, at, at the moment. I mean, I watch all the games and, you know, we've been through some real bad times. And um, it just, all I will say, let's leave it like this because it's not a football podcast, but let's enjoy it while it lasts, John Lou. In terms of doing advertising... Uh, going back to that, how did you then steer into teaching? I mean, when you were doing those degree advertising stuff, y- you weren't thinking about teaching advertising or anything like that, were you? How did the teaching thing come into play? So uh, I think the teaching thing came pretty early. Um, I don't know if you've known that, but um, a lot of times in classrooms, teachers would ask, hey, anyone would like to be a teacher one day? If one day you'd mm. be a teacher, blah, 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 blah. And Every time that would happen in secondary school, I would be one of the rare um, students saying, oh, maybe. I'm not saying no to that. That's a maybe. So it was always something I thought of as an option. Not something I was dying to do, but I never thought 
like I know some of my friends who would clearly say, I'm never going to teach. It's never going to happen. I always thought maybe it will happen. So then advertising came. Um, so I, I, I'm also passionate about design. So I like that. And I wanted to do design and to work in advertising, fair enough. Not thinking of teaching advertising, but just to be a mm-hmm. designer. Um, then, but the idea was still here. And when I got into my full-time job in advertising, finishing university, I had really a great guy as my creative and managing director, um, going by the name of Nanda Pavade. And mm-hmm. Nanda knew that I was thinking of maybe teaching, teaching one day. What he did was, okay, what we'll do, every time we'll get interns and kids coming to spend a few days, weeks in the, in the agency, you will take care of them. And he presented that to me as a kind of, that's your first experience of teaching. You get to chaperone mm-hmm. them, you get to work with them, and to show them how things work, you're the teacher on site. And that again was probably the first thing he did, which um, had a big impact on my on my career change. Second thing, um, then I got um, I saw the, the the job posting for the for the for for supply teacher. So the government public schools they were looking for a supply teacher teaching design technology in in secondary school. Then I went to see him. I'm like, Nanda, here it is, but I don't know if I should. It's only supply teachers, not a full-time job. I don't know if I'm ready for it. And then he was like, go for it. Try it. If it doesn't work, your place here will be kept for you. For how long you need to go try, you try. And and that's the, 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 the kind of encouragement you needed. I needed that, but I didn't expect that to happen. And he was like, you go. Go give it a try. And if you fail, you come back. And we'll, we'll, we'll welcome you here. So I went, and, and again, probably if he did not encourage me at that very time, maybe I wouldn't have given it a try. I would have missed that chance. So this is the very moment. Okay, let's let's talk about your um, current teaching position then, uh, Jean-Lu, in Korea. So what, what's your current school? Just give us a quick breakdown. It's an international school, is it? Yes, it is. So Gyeonggi Suwon International School, Christian school, found in Suwon, South Korea. Suwon is right next to Seoul. So it is close enough to the capital, but um, away enough to be away from the capital. So, so it's a great, great location. Um, growing school at the moment, right? We, we are getting new kids coming in. So right now we are a little bit over 400 kids, K to 12. Not, not a huge mm-hmm. school, but we still have some space to grow. Um, full IB school, PYPMYPTP. Right. Um, what else? So it's been it's been six years. Um, I'm mostly a design teacher, but I've taught ITGS as well, which is a kind of computer studies, but a humanities aspect of, of computer studies. Um, right. I have an art background as well with graphic design, but I did not teach art here um, since I'm here. So I'm teaching only design, MYP design for middle school and design technology for high school. And you're with your, uh, you're not alone, of course, you're with your family, yeah? Yep, I'm with my family. My wife, Karen, is an elementary teacher teaching early years. Um, my daughter, June, is in first grade. She's seven years old. And my son, uh-huh. Kezia, is, is in the daycare, in the toddler's room. He's three years old. So are you, are you all at the same school then? Yep, that's, that's probably one of the best things of me being here. We're all under the same roof. Um, I had lunch yeah. with my three-year-old son today. That's, that's very, very good. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's that's the that's the the real 
kind of uh, great thing about being a teaching family, right? So if you can get a, a good package uh, like that. So that's, that's, that's really brilliant. I mean, in terms of the percentage, you know, the, um, the people that actually attend there student-wise, what, what, what percentage are actually local Korean, uh, Jean-Louis, to, you know, compared to, to expats like uh, you and myself? So it's a huge, huge majority of what they would call, statistics would call them Korean-Americans. Because um, by laws, um, we can only take um, local students if they have a foreign passport as well, right. or if they have lived abroad for at least three years. And Korea, with all their, their connections with America, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of Korean-Americans, which basically mean either they were born in America from Korean parents and then they came back to Korea, or they were born in Korea and at some point went to America for a few years and then came back to Korea. Um, and you can see in those kids that they are culturally Korean, but still with a little, a little, I'd say, um, influence of America in, in, in the way they do things, in their language. Um, it's interesting to see. It's interesting. Mm. But at the end mm. of the day, when you walk in the hallways and you look around you, um, the population of the school looks Korean more than anything else. Are you looking to further your career in education? Teach Now offers a convenient online teacher preparation and master's degree program completed anywhere in the world. Reach Now for Teach Now. Ain't no time for defeat now. Teachers get off your seats now. Future generations need you now. Work with people all over the world in a collaborative, activity-based teaching environment. To learn more, visit teach-now.edu. Expertise that is really outside of the box. You alluded to earlier that you got the job. Your friend had gone out there, did you say, Jean-Lou? Yeah, so I'm not really a friend, but someone that I met in an interview in Mauritius. I didn't know him before that interview. That's how hmm. um, actually he was moving to Korea. Then um, I was applying for the job. He was living in Mauritius. So he was he was leaving that job to go to Korea. I applied for that job. He interviewed me. Um, then I got the job, but finally I didn't take it. But then that's how I met him. Right. So, right. I mean, okay. yeah, it worked out. <laughs> cool. And the city again, could you say that again? It's a funny name, I, I guess, for a lot of us. Chung, what, what's the place Suwon. called? So Suwon. But the name of the school um, goes by Gyeonggi Suwon because it's found in the, in the province of Gyeonggi-do. So it's Gyeonggi ah, Suwon ah. International School. And, and the, in terms of a city, I mean, obviously it's not as big as Seoul, um, but it's a, is it a you know, big, big kind of place? Um, yeah, what, what's it like as a, a, as a city? Um, like you said, it's not as big as Seoul. I don't, as, as Seoul. I don't know the exact numbers, but it is not very far from Seoul in terms of how big it can look, it can feel in certain areas. Um, but it definitely not, it's mm. definitely not as busy as Seoul. Like where I live is a very residential area, so which is good. Right. Still, even if very residential, I walk two minutes and I get all sorts of restaurants and I can get um, mm -hmm. um, a premium outlet just five minutes walk from my house. So you have mostly everything at, um, at reach, but you still get some quiet areas, which I think is really good. I would not trade working in Seoul for working in Suwon. I think it gives a good combo of being in a big city, but having some quiet areas at the same time. I, I see. So if I was now in downtown Seoul and we were going to catch a Liverpool football match together, how long would it take for you to get into the city centre of Seoul from Suwon? So right, depending on the areas of Seoul, but 
ranging from yeah. 30 minutes to one hour normally. Okay. Um, I mean, if I go to the, the other end of Seoul, it might take near to two hours as well, depending on the, on the transportation mode. Um, but for example, my son was born in Korea. He was born in Seoul, in Gangnam. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, good timing. It was midnight. It took me a 20, max 25 minutes drive to get there. So yeah, depending on the areas, it can be a pretty short drive as well. Well, if that was at midnight, I mean, Liverpool don't play till after midnight. So that would work, wouldn't it, Jean-Luc? Definitely. And I mean, uh, did you say Gandam? Is that the song Gandam style? Is Kangnam that the place? Style. Exactly. Uh, Kangnam style, right? There you go. Kangnam style, yeah. <laughs> that that song really put that place on the on the map internationally, didn't it? So, in terms of Suwon, and and you've said you'd rather be there than than in the the busyness of uh, Seoul. Places of interest, if you know someone was to arrive there, where would you say they should definitely as a must to see in uh, where you are? Okay, I think the must see would be um, if I follow what what um, guides would say as well would be the Hwasong Fortress. Um, which is one of those fortresses um, from the, the old old Korean days, um, telling a bit of the history of Suwon and, and how it connects to, to Seoul as well. Um, that's very interesting um, to learn about the city. Um, but just on a funny note, I would say one thing that I always um, <laughs> recommend for those who come visit me, I've had cousins coming, friends coming to visit me, I would always take them to the toilet museum. That's a hell of a <laughs> That's really, really <laughs> funny. It's 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 educational more than anything. Don't get me wrong, right? The the guy who yeah. made it was a mayor, and and he wanted to do that to to educate people about toilets, about digestion, about everything around around the around the toilet, right? <laughs> Close right, up. Yes. It's funny the way they have sculptures and the the portrait thing, which can be pretty pretty raw at times. But yeah, it's funny and, and educational at the same time. So I take that and funny, yeah. A toilet, a museum about toilets. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, in Asia, uh, for our listeners, that they're, they're really into, especially, I mean, the Japanese. Um, I spent time in Japan. Those, uh, maybe it's the same in Korea. I'm sure it might be, but a toilet is just not a toilet. Uh, we have tons of devices. They're like technological devices. Um, I mean, is that involved in the museum, like these toilets of the new age with all these sprays and noises and things like this? Or is it just basic toilet systems? Yeah. In what part, one part of the museum, um, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure there's one. I don't think it gives a lot of explanation on it. Um, but yeah, but it is something big in Korea as well. I mean, I still remember the first, uh, my first day in my apartment. And when I looked at it, I'm like, oh, what should I do from here? Um, <laughs> so many buttons and little diagrams. Yeah. It was all in Korean. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, I'm being waved at to not go into toilet jokes because it's just so <laughs> obvious to go into them. So we're, we're, we're gonna we're gonna move on now. Now look, you're in Korea. You've been there nearly six years. Uh, what what are you, what are favorite things that you like in, in a nutshell being in Korea, Jean Lu? Uh, I think the greatest thing about being in Korea. Um, being a family guy, being a husband, being a, a dad, um, is how I think ideal it is to to raise little kids. The mm-hmm. safety is mind blowing. Um, the way the way um, things are, are are done to make it easy for parents to go around with kids is really impressive. I know I come from a from a developing country, so it is um, by definition already um, different. But still, I've traveled in Europe, and what I see here is really, really, really awesome. And that's something that I 
that makes us as a family really enjoy our Korean experience. Um, every time we go home, we struggle with the transition back because we are spoiled by so many things. Um, so raising kids is, is really a, a big thing here in Korea, and, and, and we love that about it, yeah. Yeah, but definitely, um, definitely see the benefits of that being a, a family man as well. I mean, I've got to say in China also, the, the safety is it's a huge aspect of where you live and yeah. work, of course. Um, and we're, we're both very lucky, I'm sure. So uh, what about teaching, though, in terms of because you talk back at home, is there anything very different to being? And obviously, we're in an international setting, so it is a bit different straight away. But in terms of actually being specifically in Korea, in terms of the way the kids are or anything like that, uh, yeah, any major differences you find? And one thing that comes to mind, just uh, before you give us your answer, is, you know, you do a design kind of an art creative based subject. You teach that. Uh, There's a kind of a general attitude that, you know, maybe Asian children and i'm very much generalizing here jean lu maybe you know they, they they don't have as much creativity as is back home just in the way that you know they have to learn the language and that yeah. rote kind of learning um with mathematics and things like that what well, could you give me a sense of that being a kind of creative design teacher in asia all right so um so the first difference i think is is just the students right the students is different like we we talked about earlier it's mostly korean american students so korean students pretty much and and they are hardworking students. I mean, honestly, it's 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 it makes the job very easy in some areas, right? Of just um, performance. Yeah. Um, that is one one big big difference. But again, um, I've worked in an international school home before coming to Korea, so I guess that prepared me a little bit. So I was already working with kids from different places. I I taught um, two Korean girls in Mauritius before coming to Korea, so already. Um, I guess I had a I had a preview of, of how how they, they they learn and how they do things. Now, in terms of that creativity um, aspect of of Asians in general, I, I probably have a bias in the other way because I come from Mauritius, where we do have a strong Asian background as well. So mm-hmm. that approach to learning, which is very um, rigid, um, I've had that being a student as well. But mm-hmm. as a design teacher, as a designer, I like to believe that creativity. Um, is creativity potential is the same for everyone. Now, not all students would use that potential in the same way. And yes, um, a lot of the kids I teach here tend to go by a more, I would say, mechanical way of approaching creativity, um, where they would end up having um, good functional ideas, but they would not take any risk in trying something that may be more novel and, and more different in, 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 in terms of creativity, in terms of, 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 of bringing a different, um, something unexpected to do the design. So yes, it can be the case, but uh, I don't want to, I, 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 I don't know if I'm being, again, coming from my bias, but I like mm. to believe that it is, it is just, it is more a stereotype than an actual fact. Um, because I keep telling my kids who tell me, oh, I'm not creative enough. I can't do that. I'm like you as creative as I can be as anyone else. So do it and mm. you'll be able to do it. I, because I keep hammering that into their heads. And I don't that is, is that is helping. But I keep telling them you are creative. Everybody's creative. Mm. Everybody has creativity. We just need to know how to use it. So yeah. now this yeah. being said, you're right. There's that whole um, science and math background in the country which says, okay, we need to learn this way. We need to follow that path and that route. And and they they don't dare to do things differently at times. Yes, but it's not that big. 
yeah, I mean, great answer. I, I definitely agree with 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 a lot of that. Uh, mo- moving on to uh, your because you you graduated from the Teach Now program. You you did a certification through there, right? Yes, I did. Uh, which of course, I mean, we've we've done several podcasts, as the listeners will know, with uh, with fellow teachers and 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 people who who are in the offices there in Washington D.C. I've of course have gone through it as well. Uh, I mean, what was the reason for completing that uh, program? Because you obviously had a teaching background before you've you came. You said as well, Jean Lou. Yes, so I did not do it for the teacher certificate. I did it mostly for the masters. I wanted to get a masters, and okay. and being abroad, I wanted to do something which was fully online. Um, most of the fully online courses from the U.S. would require me to be a U.S. citizen or to be under soil. So I struggled to get into a, a good program until I found Teach Now. Um, it 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 just checked all the boxes for me. It it was giving me what 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 I needed. So that's why I, I went for the Tishna program. It was for the masters first and foremost. I mean, um, talking about the masters, of course, they they do several masters uh, that clip on, don't they, to the original certification program. So I, I think within you do uh, you can do the uh, the prep the certification program in nine months, and then you can clip on another three months of research projects or something like that to get a, a fully accredited masters, which I which I think is just. Yeah, it's brilliant. Of course, that's why so many people are doing it now. But what one did you actually do? Uh, yeah, out of those several masters, Jean Lu. So I did the multilingual learners. Yeah, right. Um, the, okay. the reason for that is is mainly because I'm working abroad. Um, I'm myself sure. uh, an English third language, so I I relate a lot to that as a teacher, as a learner. So yeah, and and, uh, and it did help me a lot. I learned a lot from that program for sure. Yeah, I mean, just expand. If you know, what was the one whammy that you learned? Because that does actually look a really interesting one, uh, especially for us guys um, who are out here, of course, internationally teaching with different cultures. The the, the one thing I think that I would mention is um, there was the part in the master's program where we were learning about teaching English. So basically, most of it is me using my design lesson plans and teaching my design classes and using that for my master's program. But there was a big part of it which was about teaching actual grammar, etc., etc. And I was challenged by that because even though I totally agree to 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 the to the I'd say the the principle of all teachers being language teachers, even though I agree to that, I don't teach grammar in a very specific way. I'm not. A, I don't think I'm an English language teacher predominantly. But when I had to do that, it forced me to look at some details and characteristics of of core language teaching, and I felt I was growing a lot from that, and I became a better language teacher as a design teacher thanks to that program. Wow! Yeah. Yeah, that's because uh, even in China, when 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 they ask what what do you do, and you say you're a teacher, they 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 do obviously assume uh, again being generalised here that you are an English teacher, and well, even though you might teach science or as you say design, in a way, it is a big part of it, isn't it? The fact that we're in these international schools with these multilingual learners. So yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, aside from challenges with with teaching the grammar side of things, uh, Jean Lu, what what about other challenges in terms of you know teaching or, or living challenges? If you come up against living uh, in South Korea? So I think that the biggest challenge um, being in South Korea, if I reflect on the last five issues, would be the language. If there's one thing that I'm definitely not proud of is that I don't speak Korean after being here for over five years. Um, I know a few words. I, I probably know a survival mode Korean. 
Um, I know how, how to order things. I know how to get back home. I know how to go to specific places, but I cannot, I cannot um, have long conversations with people. If I go home and I list all the words I know in Korean, friends would be super impressed. Wow, all those words, but I cannot land them up to have a proper <laughs> sentence. That is yeah. where it is a problem. And, and that was a big challenge um, to be, to feel socially um, well adjusted in the country was hard because I I never really learned the language. Yeah, and you're not the only one that, of course, will will say this is a is a huge challenge. But but career as a whole, South Korea as a whole, must be. I mean, it's very international, isn't it? You're just outside Seoul. Would you say lots of people on the street have a kind of an understanding of English, or is it really a challenge like it can be in a lot of places in China? Um, you know, I, I I don't know if it's an Asian thing or if it's Korean, but um, one thing that I've learned to 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 appreciate about them is that. Um, the people here are super nice, but it takes a little bit of time for them to kind of accept you as part of their local community. Like with, with my neighborhood, for example, my first few weeks, few months, no one would respond to my English prompts when I would ask about things or for things. But then I realized that they all understand it, but they just feel that they are not good enough to respond to me and to talk to me in English because they are very conscious of how well they are speaking English, but after some time, they realize, okay, he's part of the furniture now. Even if I'm not super confident in my English, I can talk to him. And, and then it changes everything and it gets better. So they, most people would understand English pretty well and, and would speak, but um, a big percentage of those people um, are not confident enough to speak to foreigners right away. Well, I think for anyone listening now to this pod who's going to be going to Korea to teach I think that's a fantastic uh, tip to take on board there something to to really remember when you when you touch the ground in in Korea uh, great stuff jean Lu. hey it's uh, magic one time here we go okay here we go then very quick uh first question fire off and get back to me as quick as you can jean Lu. number one favorite game that you play in your class breakout edu favorite tech tool that you use in your class i would share play posit play posit okay there you go play posit check it out favorite sentence you like to say to your students yep i always start the year with you have the right to be wrong Okay, and if I could wave that magic wand for you, what could I give you that could help your classroom or school, jean Lu? I think it's space. Um, I can always go with more space. How, how many students do you have, by the way, in your class? My smallest group this year is a group of five. My biggest wow. group is a group of 22. Oh, lucky you. you I, I'm jealous. Finally, uh, give us your favourite teacher's tip, tool, website, resource or person of educational inspiration. All right, I give a little tip here, which I was taking for granted before, and I realized it's it's way more way more I'd say beneficial than I thought it was. It is to be to be more than just a teacher teaching and delivering the knowledge, but to try be someone who has experience um, the field you're teaching in, apart from actually just teaching it. Right? For example, me mm-hmm. being a design teacher, being a designer and a design teacher makes me um, I I like to believe a better teacher and makes it better for my kids as well. So the little tip is, we have vacation, try to go on internships. You're teaching English, for example, 
try to go on a journalism internship for a couple of weeks and get some tips and have some stories and anecdotes to tell your kids on the top of just content. It makes teaching a different, a different, um, I'd say, a different world for the kids when we can connect with the actual world, not only from textbook or internet, but from actual experience. Perfect. Absolutely love it. Right. Well, I'm going to love it also if you can get this game wrong because uh yeah on the 100th episode it would be nice to obviously win um so there's just a little tip for you let's go back to guess the gap here we go oh we chat waiting we chat waiting we chat waiting me we chat waiting we chat waiting come to my party right guess the gap first time we do this and hopefully you've got absolutely no idea jean lou of um what this quote is all about I'll give it to you one more time. And then, of course, you can give me the words that you think go into the gap. Here we go. The quote is this. Teaching kids to count is fine, but teaching them blank is best. What do you think? All right. I would just say teaching kids to count is fine, but teaching them to learn is best. Okay, that's absolutely wonderful. Uh, Wonderful because you didn't get it right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but 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 I do love it. That's very nice. Uh, I, 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 I do believe it works as well. But this is a quote from uh, Bob Tolbert. I'm being called, uh, I'm being told here, Bob Tolbert. Um, and that wasn't what uh, Mr. Tolbert wrote. He wrote this. Here we go. Teaching kids to count is fine. But teaching them what counts is best. Ooh. There you go. It's pretty oh, I powerful. He flipped. Leon words. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, I like that. Teaching kids to count is fine, listeners, but teaching them what counts is best. And I'm sure all the teachers out there would absolutely agree. Okay, uh, before we leave, obviously, we're going to put your contacts uh, of how to get in touch with you, Jean Lou, at the bottom of the show notes. Um, any future plans? What? Yeah, what are your plans quickly uh, in Korea? Are you going to be there for. You know, do your kids go all the way through or what? What's your thinking on that? I I did not plan that far yet. Um, I'm for sure here up to 2021. That's when my contract ends, my career contract. Um, I may renew. I don't know. But one thing that definitely is part of my of my future plan is to is to stay in the classroom. I've I'm been, I'm doing a little bit of middle management this year with some program coordination, which I enjoy. But it reminds me that my place is the classroom. I think I belong to the classroom and I'm not looking forward to going administration. Um, that is definitely part of my future plan, stay in the classroom. Uh, that's interesting. And, uh, and again, for all those budding teachers that want to, how you say, um, go up to, to administration, it does always seem to be, I guess until you try it, you don't know, jean Lou, right? But it, there is always that sentiment that, yeah, I really miss being back uh, with the with the kids and True. all that lovely energy they give us. Okay, wonderful stuff. It's been great having you on, fellow Liverpool fan. Here's to our to our um, thirty years of hurt being replenished by a <laughs> lovely Premier League title. And uh, keep on teaching, keep on creating, keep in touch, of course, as always. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been great listening to your story. This is China Jedi people. <laughs> If you're an English-speaking teacher from anywhere in the world and you have a bachelor's degree but need an official and accredited teaching license to get a job, get a visa to teach abroad, or most importantly to learn all those things you wish you knew before you stood in front of 30-plus students, then reach now to Teach Now and secure a professional U.S. District of Columbia license in as little as nine months. Online in no time, low cost, high quality, Teach Now. Get in the game. Immediately receive a $100 discount of your tuition by signing up to the Teach Now program by the link www.teach-now.edu forward slash China Jedi. May the smile be with you.